0: It's Wednesday, March 9th. You're tuned into Real Talk. Thanks for joining us this morning. That's Ayla Brooke and the Soundman. Ryan Jesperson here with John Hicks, Sarah Hoyles. A great show in store coming up in uh, about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes from now. We're going to take a look at the impact of interest rates going up across the country. The Bank of Canada raising its benchmark rate uh, to a half a percent. We're going to check in with Dr. Adam Levecchia, an economist out of McMaster, and a realtor, Nasma Ali, She strikes me as sort of like a realtor to the stars. I'm looking forward to welcoming her to the show. We want to get their take on in real life what interest rates rising does to people, what it means. We'll take a look at an update on mask mandates, the lifting of them across the country, including in Ontario and right here in our home city of Edmonton. Edmonton was was this island as the rest of Alberta dropped its mask mandate. Edmonton still had its in place until the province said we know better than the cities and now getting ahead of it. Edmonton City Council says, fine, we'll lift the mandate before the province can sweep in and take it from us. It's a real power struggle on that front. We're going to talk to an author today of an upcoming book, David McRaney, how minds change and, and why do some people never change their minds? It feels timely, doesn't it? Oh, and of course, Alberta's premier's got himself a radio show. So we'll talk about that, too. These conversations happen because we have amazing sponsors like the team at Bitcoin Well. They've been with us since day one as Canada's first and only publicly traded ATM company. People are always going to me. People always come up and ask me questions. First of all, if you're looking for great insight into cryptocurrency, I'm just gonna tell you to go talk to Benny and Adam and the team at Bitcoin Well. But people say, why do I need a Bitcoin ATM? Why don't I just use apps on my phone? You know, there's actual reasons. It comes to security. When it comes to whether or not you have uh, essentially custodial power over that investment, in other words, does the app hold your money or do you have your funds? You know how that goes too? I mean, these are things that matter. If you feel like your head's spinning, you want someone to simplify it for you, I recommend Bitcoin well into the Sponsors tab on our website at ryanjesperson.com.
1: Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: So the, the news breaks yesterday, an email was leaked from uh, an internal source within a, a multi-billion dollar media company. You know, let me tell you, the real talk this morning, friends, people are reaching out to me, including my good friend, the titan of talk, Charles Adler, Canada's most legendary talk radio host. You know, he and I were together on air with this big media conglomerate for a number of years and... And upon news that Alberta's premier is going to get his own radio show on a station where where I and, and Charles Adler, for that matter, used to have shows, Adler says, you know, something tells me the opening monologue for Real Talk today is going to be real exceptional. Says, I generally listen to the podcast later in the day. Thanks, Chuck. He says, but today he's listening in live. It's good to know that the Titan is tuned in. Everybody's talking about this, the the announcement, and, and I'm wrestling with it, friends, to be honest with you, the real talk, the announcement that, that Jason Kenny's getting his own show on 630 Chad and 770 CHQR. It's, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to get into. There are so many angles here, so many fair questions that people have. And at the same time, quite frankly, I don't really want to advertise for the show. You know what I'm saying? It's good for them that everybody's talking about it. Probably not good for them what everybody's saying, though. It's a Saturday call-in show. The premier's going to be sitting in studio. He's going to be taking questions from screened callers. The name of the show, Your Province, Your Premier. It has kind of a church vibe to it, doesn't it? If not that, it has a, maybe a bit of a, of a North Korean vibe to it. Your Province your premier. I mean, as I joked about on Twitter uh, just yesterday as well, Alberta's justice minister, did you see this? Tyler Shandro, he's he's the new justice minister just named to the portfolio amid an investigation by the Law Society of Alberta. So, so this is already a story, pretty interesting one, that Tyler Shandro is Alberta's new justice minister. Well, yesterday, out of nowhere, seemingly, he tweets, in November of 19, former Ukrainian president They gave a speech in Edmonton stating that Jason Kenney is the godfather of the modern Ukrainian army, says Alberta's justice minister with projects like Operation Unifier. He considers our premier to be the godfather of the forces who are fighting Putin today. Okay the godfather of the Ukrainian army. Normal observation to make as Kiev is being bombarded by Russian forces and and the world comes together, leaders, presidents, and prime ministers and chancellors to determine the best international course of action. Let's pause for a moment to reflect that our dear leader is recognized as the godfather of the Ukrainian fighters. Okay? And then on the flip side, let's also make sure we tune into his radio show, Your Province, Your Premier. Now, there's the angle here that people will wonder about with regards to the commerce of this. Like, Who's paying for this? Is the radio station making the airspace available for free to a partisan political leader three, uh, three weeks ahead, just under four weeks? No, it's not. It's a month on the nose. It's March 9th today, April 9th. The premier will undergo his leadership review. A new show? A new show on the AM dial just weeks before his leadership review? Who's screening the calls that are going to go through? Now, I've seen John Voss, who was an executive formerly over me. John Voss, who's responsible for some of the decisions this radio station's made in the last little while. And, and he's told reporters, I saw it reported by the CBC, he says no money were exchanged hands here People want to know, did the government pay for this? Is the government paying for the airtime for the premier? If so, does that mean that Albertans are paying for it, for this political propaganda now, for this unchallenged platform, a premier that won't do interviews with legitimate journalists but will come up and do this on the radio with pre-screened callers, maybe pre-ordained callers. Now, John Voss has told the CBC, says no money exchange, but, but, of course, there's asterisks there all over the place, right? No money exchanged by whom? You know, there could be a PAC, a political action committee that paid for it. There could be a corporation that would pay for it, that would make that airspace available, that airtime And then, of course, there's what it does to the journalistic integrity of the station. These are tough conversations to have as somebody who still has friends there. But I can tell you, I would imagine that if you're a journalist or a political commentator employed by that company, you are mortified by this. This is a big ding on your credibility. This is a tough one for you to have to bravely smile and talk about how excited you are to welcome this program to the new schedule. It's a tough one. And of course... Is what it does to the reputation of the station, too, right? Some people are saying, well, this is pretty on brand. I mean, at least now there's upfront about which political party they want to win and who they're trying to help. I mean, your province, your premier. It sounds more like a prescription than anything else. Now, of course, many people are pointing out that Jason Kenney will not be the first Alberta premier to get his own radio show. If you're of a certain vintage, you know about Bible Bill Eberhardt and, of course, all of his broadcasts. But what about Ernest Manning, Alberta's longest-serving premier in history? I want to bring you an excerpt. This is This is going to be a bit foreign for some of you. This is going to be unlike anything that you've heard in quite some time, but precedent has been set. Now, this is hard to imagine a political leader hosting a show like this and speaking like this publicly. But this is former Alberta premier Ernest Manning on the radio back in 1951. Check this out.
2: This is Canada's national Back to the Bible Hour. Ernest T. Manning speaking and reminding you that man's only sure hope in this insecure world is to make God his refuge and the infallible scriptures his guide. God has promised to be the refuge of those who bow to his counsel and acknowledge the sovereignty of his Son. To that end, we're calling the people of Camel to yield themselves unreservedly to Jesus Christ and to crown him
0: Lord of all. All right, so there you have it. Now, that's not a shot at religious folks. It's just pretty mind-boggling to imagine that somebody as a sitting premier would be hosting. People talking about Premier Manning's prophetic Bible show and what it did to the political discourse in the province at the time, the norms that it establishes. Can you imagine if you were not an evangelical Christian, but you were an Albertan to hear your premier talking like that on the radio? Now, is this the same thing? Of course not. But can we expect that integrity will drive this show that jason getty will appear on and probably co-host i mean there's going to be a retired radio host sitting in the studio with him teeing up these pitches for him who are these callers who's going to make it through the call screeners who is the call screener who's going to determine whose call gets through and who gets to question the premier What about these allegations, people claiming to have assertions from the inside that Pam Livingston, who's been the premier's chief of staff, you remember Pam took a leave from working on the public purse, right? An unpaid leave, says the premier's office, to work on his leadership campaign keep in mind this leadership review is coming up jason kenney says he needs 50 plus one support but no leader in their right mind would try to continue on with a 50 plus percent plus one mandate i mean if you get less than 80 as a conservative premier in alberta you can consider those your walking papers ask ed Stelmach. ask ralph klein ask others so Pam Livingston, as some have suggested, is allegedly mobilizing paid staffers to make sure that they're calling in with scripted questions. I'm sure that those paid callers won't have any impact on the show, right? I'm sure that we can trust that these are just going to be legitimate, average, everyday Albertans that will be getting through it. They're very real and candid and challenging and pressing questions for a premier that has a lot to answer for ahead of that leadership review the second week of April. I'm not sure how many people are going to tune into it. Saturday is a dead zone, to be sure, when it comes to AM radio or any terrestrial radio, for that matter. The station itself, both of those stations, it's widely available in the public domain, have struggled greatly over the past number of ratings books. I would imagine that this type of press is valuable for them to remind people that there are still, in fact, those stations on the AM dial. So this is probably a you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours type scenario. I mean, I don't know. Alberta's premier stepped up and was pretty outspoken about this proposed Shaw-Rogers merger a while ago. right? He was championing jobs in Alberta, trying to bring corporate headquarters to Calgary. You wonder if this is kind of a quid pro quo for the premier's support of that deal. Maybe he gets his own airtime for half an hour for four Saturdays in a row ahead of the leadership review. And what happens if Kenny does survive that leadership review? Does this availability continue? Does this show continue? For how long? Only time will tell. I don't know if I'm going to be tuned in. I might call in. It'd be probably the first question I've been able to ask the guy in about four years, John. Oh, no. I can't wait. I can't wait for the matchup, Ryan. Can you imagine the pressure the call screener is going to be facing right now? They're going, turn off the call display. Turn off that call display. You can let me know what you think about this. I suspect that we're going to get some emails on this to Trash Talk to talk at RyanJesperson.com. Trash Talk is coming up on Friday, and that's presented by our friends at Local Environmental. I want to remind you, if you go to localenvironmental.ca right now, you're going to see their their absolutely revamped website. It looks fantastic. Uh, they've been evolving and growing their services. You know, you think of them as recycling and waste management. It's what they've been doing for more than 25 years, still family-owned in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Now, portable toilets, fencing, water hauling, landfill services, vacuum trucks. Uh, The acquisitions that they're making are growing their footprints into these communities across the prairies as they continue to grow the business and what they can offer you. You can get a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. We're going to be talking about the cost of living and inflation in just a moment. Uh, Our friends at Park Power know that. I mean, they're in the business of electricity and natural gas. They are aware that many people's utility bills are doubling and have doubled over the past month or two it means a lot for families, especially families on a relatively rigid budget. Park Power is here to help with that. This is a great day, a great opportunity today to go compare rates on internet, electricity, and natural gas at ParkPower.ca. If you bundle services with them. If you go with at least two services, or maybe all three, you're going to save on administrative costs. And do not forget, when you bring your business over, the promo code 2022-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first bill at parkpower.ca. Sherwood Dodge and St. Albert Dodge offer Alberta's best selection of not just new, but pre-owned Jeep's and Dodge, including the Ram 1500 TRX. This is the truck everybody's talking about, more than 700 horsepower. There's not a trailer that that thing won't pull. And of course, the Jeep Wagoneer, Jeep's re-entry into the luxury full-size SUV market. If you've been thinking Escalade, Navigator, X5, X7, make sure you check out the Wagoneer at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Real Talkers, you are telling us that your wallets are feeling pain right now. You're letting us know that the cost of living is going up. We've been talking on this show about the increased rates, electricity, natural gas. You just heard it there. What about interest rates impacting things like mortgages, even lines of credit and other loans? And, of course, there's the cost of living that comes with groceries and everyday things like fuel you're putting in your car. That's the subject of our roundtable coming up Friday at 9 o'clock Mountain, 11 o'clock Eastern. Well, the Bank of Canada, just a week ago today, raising its benchmark interest rate to a half a percent, expected to be the first of a series of small rate hikes in an attempt to tame that inflation that's risen to its highest point in decades. This is the first time the banks raised its rate in four years Uh, before the pandemic. The rate was a one and three quarter percent um, before the bank dropped it by a point and a half to try to help the economy took some desperate and drastic measures over the past while to help people stay on their feet. Well, this means that more than half of Canadians say they cannot keep up with the cost of living right now. That according to a new survey from the Angus Reid Institute. Dr. Adam Levecchia teaches economics at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. He's also a research affiliate at an independent economic research firm, the Institute of Labor Economics. Nasma Ali is a realtor based out of Toronto, founder of the One Group Agency, uh, she studied computer engineering. She's worked in the corporate world uh, for 10 years before getting into real estate. And since making that move, she's worked with more than 200 clients a year, trading more than $300 million in real estate. I'm grateful that the both of you are joining us. Nasima. before we talk to you about the impact this is having on markets and the and, and, and realty across the country, what it's going to do to consumers, home buyers and home sellers, uh, Dr. Lavecchia, can we get From you, an assessment of what a move like this, raising a benchmark rate to a half a percent, does to the average Canadian.
3: So um, uh, a rate increase like this uh, is going to impact Canadians in a number of ways. Uh, Each person uh, that gets impacted uh, is going to be feeling this differently depending on their personal situation. Uh, So the higher interest rate is going to mean higher borrowing costs uh, for people that have mortgages, lines of credit, and even flexible rate credit cards. Uh, It's gonna mean higher interest on your savings for people that uh, hold GICs or money in savings accounts. Uh, This is gonna affect uh, stock price values and other things like that. And so there's gonna be a number of ways in which uh, a move like this is gonna impact the finances of a typical household
0: nasma as you as you conduct your your business through the course of a week as you correspond with your clients and and talk to them about what they're looking for either from a buying or a selling standpoint how much of an impact does a move like this have i mean do you gain some clients do you lose some clients do some people's dreams dissipate with the news nasma can you hear me okay we maybe don't have nasma johnny so why don't we go back to the good doctor for now and we'll get that figured out so so adam who who is most susceptible here right now uh who, who who is it that's really vulnerable right now who's in trouble
3: yeah. So I mean, um, the the impact is going to is going to vary in a number of ways. I mean, so on the mortgage side, for example, uh, fixed rate mortgages have actually been rising uh, for quite a while now in, in the lead up to this uh, this rate increase. So th- this rate increase is really only going to hit the pocketbooks of people that are in flexible rate uh, mortgages or uh, lines of credit, home equity lines of credit, or with flexible rate credit cards. Um, and because interest rates are so low, a given uh, percentage point increase in interest rates, uh, starting from a low value, is going to hit pocketbooks relatively harder. So for example, if you're starting from uh, a rate of a quarter of a percent and you increase by a quarter of a percent, you're doubling, right? As opposed to if you were starting at say a higher rate, like 3%, a quarter of a percent increase uh, doesn't increase the rate by as much. So um, you're not going to need to see interest rates rise rise as much as they would have in the past in order to have the same kind of uh, pocketbook impact as they would today, because we're starting from a lower base.
0: I want to let people know that they're expecting to hear from Nasima. She's experiencing an issue with her connection, and we'll get her back on the show some other time. But, Adam, it means we get to pick your brain a little bit more here. I don't want to get too into the weeds just down one avenue. I mean, we've got you here as an economist. You can help us understand the big picture. Uh, but I do want to continue on with regards to those monthly payments. And in particular, typically, people's biggest monthly expense is going to be their housing, right? Typically, their mortgage. Is this an instance where that stress test that was introduced a short time ago that, that I know. And I want I, want, I wanted to ask Nassim about this because I know realtors haven't been a really big fan of it, generally speaking. But does this stress test bail people out a, a little bit? I mean, is this going to save some people's bacon that might otherwise be overstretched?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, what the stress test does, and I mean, I actually experienced this personally. I was in the real estate market in the uh, not-too-recent not past. Um, and so uh, the stress test just basically means that uh, you can uh, afford... Uh, a higher interest rate, uh, at least for a, a, a certain number of rate increases, um, mean, meaning that, you know, it, it, it's within your capacity to pay. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, that it's not going to affect you, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, if your variable rate mortgage or your line of credit payment or your credit card payment goes up, uh, that, that that's going to have to come from somewhere, right? So it's going to mean Less spending on other things, or it's going to mean uh, that you're going to have to come up with some additional income from somewhere else.
0: Can I can I ask you a question? That I should probably know the answer to. How how does raising a benchmark interest rate tamp down inflation? Like in layperson's terms, how does that actually work?
3: Yeah. So so the idea. Uh, so what interest rates are? Is interest rates are basically the the price of money, right? So the price of uh, moving spending from in one period like today into the future, right? So if, if, if the interest rate gets higher, uh, it becomes uh, you know more costly uh, to uh, spend money today compared to the future because the reward to saving and the penalty for borrowing is going to go up, right? And so um, the idea behind raising interest rates is to sort of tamp in that uh, current spending uh, through the demand side, typically, uh, you you want to the the idea is to cool down the economy that way. Now, we can get, that's a different discussion. Um, but you know, some people might argue that the kind of ex- inflation we're experiencing today has as much to do with uh, the supply side of the market. You know, supply chains, things like that, because of the pandemic and other things that uh, might not be readily fixed by higher interest rates.
0: Yeah, I mean, fascinating numbers in uh, January of this year. So just a couple, you know, like, like, let's call it a month ago. Canada's annual inflation rate reached 5.1%, which outpaced wage increases of 2.5%, 24 in fact, over the same period. It means that this survey, uh, 7 in 10 Canadians report being stressed about money right now as inflation rates continue to grow, which is not surprising. Uh, with regards to what you've seen over the course of your career, how significant is, is this period of time right now?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, in the relatively recent past, uh, we haven't seen the kind of uh, consumer price index inflation that we are seeing today. Uh, You'd have to go back, you know, 30 or 40 years to see the kind of inflation numbers that we're seeing today. So a a lot of people, especially a lot of younger households, uh, wouldn't have seen something like this before. Uh, Older households will remember periods of time when inflation and interest rates were actually much higher. I mean, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, even though inflation uh, interest rates are rising today, uh, they're still relatively low by historical standards. Uh, so, you know, people that might be renewing a, a fixed rate mortgage, a five-year fixed rate mortgage today, uh, these are people that would have taken that mortgage out five years ago in 2017. And at the renewal today, you know, the, the interest rate's not going to be that different than it was in 2017, perhaps even still a bit lower. Uh, so, so for them, they're actually not going to hit, see that hit. Uh, it's it's more sort of people that are taking out new debt today, you um, compared to what they would have, you know, gotten a year ago or so.
0: Yeah, and l- let me ask you about that. Like, I'll, I'll recognize, Adam, and, and, and you know, h- however you want to take this question on is great. I mean, you're going to say to me, well, I'm not a mortgage broker, but but if somebody right now is looking at a new home, or if somebody's looking at a new car, or if somebody's looking at it, making a significant commitment by way of a line of credit that, that maybe has a variable rate to it, I mean, what does the average person want to keep in mind right now? I mean, do, do you lock in now? Could there be three or four or five more, small or or, or moderate interest rate hikes over the next little while
3: yeah so so i'm not an interest rate forecaster so it's, it's going to be hard for me to comment directly on ha- how many rate increases um sure. you know are are, are going to happen in the next say 12 months or something like that i think the bank of canada has signaled that they expect rates to rise meaning multiple increases what that exact number is um you know other people are are, are you know more qualified than me to comment on that Uh, what i will say is actually you know there's some evidence uh in in economics on how people actually respond to these kinds of interest rate increases uh figuring this out is actually quite tricky because you want to always be able to tease out the impact of these higher interest rates compared to other things that are going on in the world right you don't want to conflate different things um and uh you know recently there was a study out of the uk that looked at how people respond uh, through their mortgages to higher interest rate increases And they found that actually people are quite sensitive, right? So when when rates go up, people tend to uh, take out smaller mortgages. uh, And that's going to mean, you know, a a variety of things, right? So, you know, for the housing market and for, you know, people's uh, financial picture more generally.
0: Well, what does this mean ultimately uh, for the Canadian economy? Like uh, when you say long term <laughs> with regards to the economy, you, you typically don't want to look further ahead than three or four months. Right. But but generally speaking, I mean, if, if you're sitting around a table with your friends having a coffee or a beer and they say, can you give us some insight or some some informed fo- focus or perspective so we can have a bit of a general idea of what this all means? What would you tell your friends that are not economists?
3: Yeah, I'd say that you know the high, you know, with, through the higher interest rates, you you should expect to see imp- impacts, you know, in, in your life in a variety of ways, right? Uh, if, if for example you're, you're somebody that holds a portfolio with investments like stocks, uh, you'll notice that those are going to be sensitive to interest rate increases. Uh, you you've actually seen in the U.S. and in Canada, um, you know, uh, the stock markets actually uh, performed less well going back several months now, and some people. Uh, tie that performance to, to the interest rate. and so, so people will see that through their RSPs uh, and through their investments. Uh, you'll, you know, if, if you're not somebody that's that, that has that kind of a portfolio right now and and you, and you hold you know, a line of credit or, or a flexible rate credit card, you're going to see th- those payments uh, go up. Uh, and so um, you know, depending on your capacity to absorb those interest rate increases, uh, you may you know consider locking that in now uh, in order to you know, to give yourself more stability. Um, and, and if you're on the investing side, you know, you, you may want to, you know, talk to a professional about how to, uh, to structure your finances in a way that sort of takes into account these kinds of interest rate increases.
0: Dr. Adam Levecchia, uh, a professor of economics at McMaster university in Hamilton, a research affiliate at the Institute of labor economics. Thanks so much for your availability today. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks Ryan. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you got it. I'd be curious to know where. Real talkers are out with regards to how you adjust or, or how you respond when you've got a, a scenario like this where interest rates are fluctuating, your monthly costs are fluctuating. Are you well organized enough to pivot in a scenario like this? Sarah Hoyles, the editorial producer of the show. John, do we have her on the line? Can we check in with Sarah for a second? Hoyles, I'm curious to know. I don't know about you. I'm going to be honest. I want to put my cards on the table here uh, because people will say, well, if you want us to talk real, you better talk real. I'll talk real. I'm not the type of person that every single month is, is organized enough or in tune enough to uh, to be able to understand completely how a, a a tweak to the interest rate would impact the monthly mortgage payment or would impact something else like that, any payment that would fluctuate or that would float, I'm the type of person that realizes the impact that it has when the bill arrives. And you go, ooh. <laughs> like I was riding. I'm going to be honest, we talk about park power and the fixed rate, and when I'm reading those ads and I'm going, and some people are really that have been riding the variable rate are really feeling the pain, that's me. I'm talking about me. And when I open the bill, I go, Oh, wow. How about you?
2: I love it. I love it. You said at one point that you ride the lightning,
0: ride the lightning. <laughs> Cause sometimes when the rates are low, you're like, yes, I'm paying less than the people on the fixed rate. And then it goes up and you're like, Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. I, uh,
2: I was riding the lightning. Okay. And then I was like, I don't have the stomach for this. I can't do it. So
0: you locked in.
2: I did. I did. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the only time that I've really seen where this has hit me. Um, My mortgage is locked in. I've got another couple of years on it. So, I mean... (sighs) My sister's an accountant, so I'll be touching base with her.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny in these types of situations, too. Like even Adam says to us, great booking, by the way, out of McMaster. He's like, well, he goes, well, I'm not like an interest rate forecaster. So I got to kind of everyone wants to stay in their lane because once you start giving advice or at least once you uh, come across as though you may be giving advice, then people are going to go, well, you told me to do this. You're right. And then I did this and now I'm getting screwed. But we felt when we renewed our mortgage last, I felt like, you know, we, we got great advice uh, from my pal, Henry Gill. And, and he says to me, he goes, I think that you should lock in. He goes, this is a good rate. You should lock in. And we did. And I think that was a good move. Um, John, are you the type? Do you, do you guys are you, do you like the, the, the safety and the security of locking in, know what you're paying every single time? Or you'd like to ride the wave of a variable rate?
4: I like to ride the wave. Atta I boy. like to be a little, uh, yeah, throw living caution on. to the wind, <laughs> <laughs> living on the edge.
0: But you're in an interesting position now. Like you guys, you move your family back from BC to come work for us. Happy to have you here. But now you, it's, it's in a way, I don't know if I call it a fresh start, but in a way, now you, you, you're, you, you, got to find new housing. You're signing up for new utilities. Yeah, like you're going to have all these decisions to make, and you're going to be making some of these decisions amid. These changing circumstances.
4: I mean, and they've been changing really fast lately. It's one of the reasons we were already looking to move back to Alberta. Um, and then when you gave me the offer, we just moved. My uh, wife worked at the Realtors Association in Kelowna, and every day would be a horror story. She yeah. would come home, look at look at the interest rates rising, look at the cost of housing rising. Let's get back to Alberta. and Yeah. It's going to change here too, But three, yeah, then three more to and five more, years. More
0: and more people moving back here, and then all of a sudden exactly. the dollars is going to go here. But then that's good news for people that have investments here. Exactly. It's good news for people that are empty nesters or people that are ready to to sort of make that transition from the, uh, what do you call the fledgling chicks? And then, <laughs> and then they become the big, beautiful birds, the snowbirds. Yeah. When you go from, from, from working chick to snowbird, <laughs> that evolution.
4: I think the, t- the main point here is, you know, get some property now before... It gets too expensive. Yeah, yep.
0: Sue says we locked in with Park Power and says we're very happy. Thanks, Jespo. Nice job, Sue. Um, Deborah goes. Who's this new guy? What happened to Sam? <laughs> Debra, welcome back. So Sam's, yeah, we check out our Friday show. We sent Sam off with great fanfare. We love him, and it's all good. And this is John Hicks, our new technical producer. People are going to get to know you over time. Not not everybody can check out the show every single day, so that's pretty cool. I've got uh, some comments here, like from Hope, who says, hug your accountants. I think she says they can help (laughs) you a lot, and Hope is bang on there. And then Debra says, let me guess, Ryan, your partner manages the finances. Absolutely 100% accurate. Same. (laughs) Among Carrie's many titles uh, within our family, Family Manager is one of the titles that she carries, and and she does a great job with that. We're going to get into the results of our question of the week in just a moment. Before we get there, I want to talk to you about Infinity Healthcare. We're proud to be partnering with Infinity Healthcare because we know for many of you there's this talk about the sandwich generation. You're still in the stage of life where you're looking after your kids or at least you're helping them out. That might mean that they're in high school or transitioning into post-secondary or if you're amazing like my parents were helping me out even after post-secondary and then you've got your folks that you're looking after too. And you're trying to figure out how to balance that. Like is mom or dad or is grandma or grandpa getting their medications every single day? Is the cat getting fed? Do they have somebody to talk to when you can't be there? Are they making sure that they're getting to their appointments on time? Like is their laundry in the proper place? Are they being well cared for on a daily basis? This is Infinity Healthcare's wheelhouse. And they're especially proud of their personality matching. It comes with the experience. They don't hire a home care professional for your loved one until everybody agrees it's a good fit. You can find out more at infinity-8.ca. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to let you know that they've got some great specials coming up heading into St. Patrick's Day, and that includes their St. Paddy's Day dinner. You can check it out. Your lucky day, the all-you-can-eat St. Paddy's Day dinner right here at Friesen.com. It goes this Saturday, March 12th, from 4 to 8 p.m., just $20 per person at select Friesen Brothers locations. And, of course, their St. Paddy's Day 20% off meat sale. Their meat sale back... 20% 20% off in the butcher shop on the actual St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Time to stock up. You can check them out at Friesen.com. By the way, I was looking at my phone calendar the other day. You know that in Newfoundland and Labrador, they celebrate St. Patrick's Day on the 14th? They're three days ahead of everybody
4: else? They get it in early, right? What
0: is this? They got, like, they're got they a half hour ahead on the time zone. They go to St. Patrick's Day three days early. Do they just observe it for like three days? Is that how it goes in Newfoundland and Labrador?
4: Newfoundlanders have always been ahead of the curve.
0: I love it. Well, they're not afraid to have a good time, uh, which is good. Uh, Every week, we partner with our research and strategy firm at Y Station to present our Get Real Question of the Week. And hundreds of you chime in to let us know where you're at with regards to issues of the day. Uh, Let's take a look at our most recent results. The top line report for this, the full report is already in your email inbox if you support us on Patreon. Thanks for that. To those of you that do, more details at ryanjesperson.com. Let's take a look at some of these observations. When it comes to the war in Ukraine, 34%, let's say one in three of those surveyed, believe the war will only end if NATO gets directly involved. That could involve things like a no-fly zone, as Vladimir Zelensky's been talking about. So that's an interesting takeaway from this. Let's get to the next one. Only 13% of you are that responded to our survey, just 13% believe that nuclear attack by Russia is not on the table. Huh. In other words, 87% of you believe that it's a possibility. Here's another interesting one. One in three of you, 32% of you believe that economic sanctions will only hurt Russian citizens and will not pressure Vladimir Putin. That's an interesting one. You don't have faith that that's the best way to go, or at least not the only way to go. Here's another one. Half of you, 51% of Real Talkers surveyed believe we should provide supplies and support for Ukraine, but not troops. 31% of you want to see Canadian boots on the ground. You want to see Canadians getting into the fight. Here's another one. 91% of you, a resounding majority of Real Talkers surveyed, 91% see this as unprovoked aggression by Russia on Ukraine. What the hell do the other 9% of you think right. uh, the most disturbing finding, I think on this is that I don't know. I'm laughing. Uh, 29% of you believe that the world will just watch Russia take pieces of Ukraine and never intervene effectively, which was also kind of a, a striking number. Once our friends at Y station started to comb through this data and provide it to us, uh, we we asked you about creative sanctions or punishments you've seen sanctions or punishments that you think would be effective. Uh, I mean, McDonald's is ceasing operations in Russia. Some of you go, oh, boy, now you know it's serious. McDonald's is out. That's actually a thing. Uh, Pornhub recently blocked access to any user in Russia. Oh, man. As means of putting pressure on Vladimir Putin. (laughs) You take away McDonald's and Pornhub, you're going to have a lot of pissed off Russians. Right. Can we agree? One of you said you got to cut off all Internet access to the outside world. That would cut off financial entertainment and other services. Now, keep in mind, I'm not an expert on firewalls. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of features coming up on this. We talked about misinformation on Monday, and we're going to be talking about some of some of the more digital powers that are uh, at the, uh, you know, at the disposal of world leaders here. But I guess you could probably argue for or against taking away Internet access. How do you combat disinformation? Another one of you have said that denying Russian planes access to other countries' airspaces is a vital step after the threat to use nuclear weapons. Another one of you said the International Taekwondo Association revoking Vladimir Putin's black belt was absolutely awesome.
4: Which we know he didn't earn. You you know he didn't
0: earn. Have you ever seen his hockey highlights where they have Putin out with all these, like, KHL players? he scores, like,
4: like nine. He scores
0: nine goals in a row. Yeah. It's like... Kim Jong-un, and what did he say the first time he played golf? Said he had like 15 holes in one, and then he decided to retire. Ridiculous. We asked you about anything else. Fill in the blanks. Let us know what's on your mind. One of you said, I, th- I think that this may finally be the end of Vladimir Putin. All the people that have profited off him, gained power from him, have lost it all in a week. The Russian currency is in the dumps. More and more sanctions are getting piled on. I think all the oligarchs have the, that have allowed him to stay in power may have finally had enough. Maybe. I mean, that's a question of power balance and who holds it. And another one of you says, this has been a refreshing show of solidarity and strength from Western allies and companies and groups that have been condemning this aggressive action. You can check out our new question of the week. It's up right now, ready for you on our website. You just go to ryanjesperson.com. You go to the connect link right at the top and you click on question of the week. We're asking you globally, nationally, provincially, everywhere you turn, there are impactful decisions, historic events transpiring right now. And so we want to know where you're at on three different stories that we're following. Number one, gas taxes and the price of fuel. We're going to drop in on this on Friday. So in about 48 hours from now, when we kick off our Friday roundtable, talking about fuel prices, and we'll broaden the conversation out from there, we're going to be taking a look at our dashboard for our question of the week. We're going to say two days in, here's what real talkers are saying about the price of fuel and gas taxes. We'll continue to pick your brain on what you believe is appropriate action from countries, including Canada in the war in Ukraine. And of course, your thoughts as we've made our way out from International Women's Day yesterday. If you missed our conversations yesterday, uh, coordinated by producer Sarah Hoyles on International Women's Day, I encourage you to check those out. You can, of course, find our podcast archive, our YouTube archive, anywhere you stream your content. They got an amazing email. I love this one from Sharon. It made us think yesterday. She says, uh, Ryan and Sarah, she says, I'm really worried that International Women's Day has turned into a hallmark holiday. Uh, performative actions says its history is from labor, specifically workplace disasters and horrible working conditions experienced by women and children. Sounds a little bit like the history of Labor Day, but I don't want to get us off track, but same sort of a thing. Labor Day right now, everybody's just long weekend, go camp and get bombed. But people want the focus on where it should be. On days like that and International Women's Day, right? Sharon says here, over the past two years, our healthcare workers, largely women, have been exploited and overworked and underpaid and even abused, arguably forced to work in very unsafe conditions. It feels similar to what was happening in the factories in the 1900s that sparked International Women's Day in the first place, says Sharon. She goes, I'll be tuned in again today. Awesome stuff. Can I drop in on Sarah for real quick? I know John's putting together our conversation that's coming up in just a second. Uh, Looking forward to checking in with an author on why people rarely change their minds. But Sarah, no, she's probably working on stuff behind the scenes right now. Um, I wanted to get her take on that. We'll check in with her a little bit later on in the show. John, are we ready to rock with our interview here? Why don't we get to this? This is uh, a conversation we've been looking forward to having for a while because it feels very timely. Although maybe I'm just feeling more sensitive to it now. Maybe it's always been this way. People rigid in belief, People having a hard time hearing out the other side or different opinions. People taking issues with talk shows, welcoming guests that maybe they don't 100% agree with all the time. Is everybody willingly locking themselves into echo chambers? David McRaney is a science journalist fascinated with brains and minds and culture. He's the creator and host of the You Are Not So Smart podcast, the documentary audio documentary exploring genius and the author of you are not so smart. You are now less dumb and coming out in June of this year, the book, how minds change David McRaney making his real talk debut. Thanks for making time for
5: us and welcome to the show. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be super fun.
0: Am I, am I right or wrong? Am I on or way off that? It seems to me like people are more rigid in belief and sheltering themselves from different opinions than ever before? Or am I just oversensitive?
5: Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. Uh, the, uh, it's, the, nothing that's happening right now is new, uh, and everything that's happening is a result of thousands of years of human uh, evolution-building brains that operate in sort of uh, groupishness, primate brain sort of ways. What's changed is the context, the environment in which we do those things, And the cost to engage in certain kinds of behavior has become so low that people can form groups very, very quickly and can signal their loyalty or disloyalty to those groups very easily. And so the social sanctions that come from all of that and the social rewards that come from all of that are much more available instantly. So all of that adds together to create a information ecosystem where we are very, very careful about what we think, feel and believe and how we signal to others those things. And it's created a lot of weirdness right now. So we're just going through a weird phase. And uh, since we have so much access to what happens when other people do things that are off um, it's generated this bizarre moment, it feels a lot more uh, echo chambery than it actually is. And misinformation Mm. seems to be a lot more powerful than it actually is according to the research. Nevertheless, a lot of strange things have happened, especially in the realm of people forming conspiratorial communities or, uh collective action based off of conspiratorial beliefs all that sort of stuff is uh sort of risen to the top of public consciousness recently
0: i'm realizing this interview is going to need to be three hours long so you might need to wipe your schedule because you've just teed up about a million (laughs) things when you talk about these information ecosystems am i uh am i too pigeonholed in my understanding that we're talking about social media is it way more than that
5: it's everything i mean there's a I'm a big fan of Marshall McLuhan. I'm sure you are too. The, yeah, you the, bet. We've, we've phased into the next thing. And that means it's still, everything needs to find its level and to find like what is a YouTube video? Like what what is it, th- you know, you know, you get on, when you watch something and it feels like, that feels like a YouTube video. So the, the voice of that has started to find itself. That's happening across all media domains and a lot of things are just being retired and the new thing is what we're living in and it hasn't really found its voice yet we haven't really found the literacy for it and we all get to live through a very bizarre moment but it's across everything like uh as what really has happened is we're in a very fragmented media environment and there are people who uh really trust their news sources and there are people who don't trust news sources at all and that's forming communities where you do or do not decide to believe something or you have low or high confidence in something based off where it comes from and for some people it's just fine like i'm getting my news from say the new york times or i'm getting it from a science journal cool for a whole a lot of other people it's like those sources are untrustworthy. Mm. And that means I have to go looking for people who I can trust. And if they say say something that I don't trust, I have to keep going and going and going. And you can finally get into some very fringy places. In 1970, where would you find these fringy places compared to today where I can just hang out on Reddit all day long, or I can find some sort of uh, alternate social media environment where everyone there seems to be aligned with my anxieties and values? This is something that's new. And that's Uh, It's only new in in the sense that the access to it is everywhere. And we've all been invited to the conversation in a way that we've never had before. And so there's a populist uh, flavor to just the information ecosystem itself. And it doesn't know what to do with it. Like uh, people who have positions of power and privilege in that ecosystem don't really know how to operate within this new environment in a way that seems to be uh, gaining them purchase. And Mm. it's fun to watch uh, and terrifying at the same time. I'm very optimistic about all of this. But at the same time, a lot of bizarre, awful, weird things are happening in addition to all the cool stuff that's happening.
0: I just scribbled optimism down on my page, and I'll ask you about why you're optimistic. But, <laughs> but first, let's talk about why so many people are so pessimistic and why sure. some people are even terrified about this. I mean, I mean, you take a look at, at just the profession of journalism, and there's an acknowledgment from within and from outside that there is a trust problem. That's undeniable. Polling shows it around the world. I mean, people would say, well, well, where did all this mistrust of the CBC in Canada or the New York Times or, or other outlets, the Wall Street Journal or the BBC, where did this come from? And other folks will quite fairly ask, well, why should trust just be inherent and implied? Mm-hmm. And so then you have to ask, I think, what have been the contributing factors to people starting to lose trust? Because if you take a look over the years, including over the decades, trust in the profession of journalism is dropping. It is. Is that because of the politics of it? I mean, is that because of people like Donald Trump talking about the failing New York Times and fake news and, and all that kind of stuff? Or, or has this been a long time coming?
5: It's been a long time coming. I, I think this is just the, I mean, there are many there are many different reasons why this is taking place. But the one of the prevailing influences is everyone joined the conversation. That's really what happened. Social media led to smartphones, social, smartphone, social media, act, internet access, cheap access to all these things uh all of a sudden everyone's online we're all having a conversation together and then we have all these contexts to have those conversations so i like to talk about i like to use flat earthers as the example of this because flat earthers i spend a lot of time with the uh the they're sort of apolitical and neutral so it's a nice way to talk about it uh everything that happens within that community happens in political communities happens in every community where people are debating things and talking about things getting mad at each other and aren't sure who's telling the truth and who to trust But one of the things I love about that community is they are joining a conversation they weren't invited to. And so there are gatekeepers in politics, gatekeepers in media, gatekeepers in academia who were having those conversations. Like if a book came out, there were a select group of people who would get together and decide, is that a good book? And then they would tell you about it. You'd read about it. But you weren't part of that. Now we're all part of it. And in the flat earth community, there are things like, is the earth round? Uh, this evidence seems to suggest it isn't. This evidence says it does. I don't know. Maybe we should do our own research. Since they just joined the conversation, in addition to that, they don't join the institutions that were having the conversations without them. They start doing some of the research that's already been done because they want to see it for themselves, and they'll eventually get to the same like conclusions, but it may take them a minute. And I think that's happening across all domains. There are places where people modulated by mistrust modulated by very high anxiety and and high uncertainty are having their own conversation about something that and they're recapitulating things that feels to people who have been either uh, in a position of privilege or they have enjoyed that from media environments are like, why are they doing this? And there's this uh, frustration of letting it run its course, but that's what has to happen. This, the, everyone has to join the conversation and everyone has to be respected in a way that allows for that to reach its natural conclusion so we can move to the next level of whatever weirdness is coming out of this new information ecosystem.
0: We've got some really interesting comments on our live chat right now. Uh, we're talking to author David McCraney, a uh, podcaster as well. Of course, always amazing to have podcasters on the show. Your audio quality <laughs> is just 10 out of 10. We just love it. Uh, Tracy says, my daughter did her thesis on the concept that people who are less rigid thinkers are actually happier in general. She says, now that seems like a no brainer, but go tell that to rigid thinkers that from Tracy, that's an interesting observation.
5: Oh, yeah, that's all that all comes down to uh, in, in my new book. We, I talk a lot about how we form our beliefs and attitudes and values and how they change. And it all comes down to these two um, mechanisms called assimilation and accommodation. And, you know, when, when a brain uh, that, that has had all these has had all these experiences, all these influences, trusts all these sources and so on, sort of builds a model of reality. And you come in contact with either an event or some information or some source that calls into question whether your belief is valid or your attitude is is correct or your values need to be rearranged. There's a tightrope of adaptiveness you have to deal with where you could, if you change your mind, you might become dangerously incorrect. And if you don't change your mind, you might remain dangerously incorrect. And so you have this visceral uh, negative affect that boils up inside of you and it needs to be resolved. And We usually resolve it through either assimilation or accommodation. Assimilation is taking whatever information we're seeing and interpreting it as confirmation that we were right all along and sort of adding it to our model of reality in that way. And accommodation is expanding our model of reality to include something new. The easiest way to like a metaphor for this would be like if a child sees a dog for the first time and you say, you know, it's like, what is this? And you say, it's a dog, something in their brain. Uh, categorizes it as, say, uh, not human, animal, furry, tail, four legs, dog. Then when they see a horse for the first time, children often will do things like go dog, you know, they point at the horse. And you have to say, no, that's not a dog, that's a horse. Well, you know, in their mind, they were trying to assimilate. They were saying non-human, furry, tail, four legs. This, This seems to fit into my model of reality of what is this thing. And when you tell them, no, there's there are other things not inside that category. They have to build a new higher level category to include it. So you end up with animals, which include dogs and horses. They literally have to sort of expand their mind to put it in there. We're doing that thousands of times an hour constantly. There are things that we witness and experience and come into our sensory modalities and things that we learn and see on the internet and listen to on shows like this and think, okay, that fits with my model. I'll assimilate it. But if it doesn't, we have to, to think to ourselves, are we going to try to accommodate this and expand our understanding, or are we going to try to just make it fit into what we already see? And it comes down to what seems to be the risk versus reward of doing so. And for people who are rigid, rigid thinkers, usually it's because they're in an information environment where it serves them better to try to assimilate more often than accommodate. And they often will sort themselves into communities that feel the same way. And that's how they deal with their anxieties. And you end up with groups of people who do this thing. And all of a sudden we have politics and culture and that's one of the elements of how minds do adult change.
0: Well, where are we talking to you from? By the way, David, where's home for you? Just outside of New Orleans. New Orleans. Love it. Okay, so I don't know. I don't expect you to be super familiar with our provincial politics up here. But I mean, here's the story. There typically have been a number of political parties that would have competed for your vote, some of them fringe, some of them mainstream, some of them legacy parties. And now it's kind of evolved into a two party system, which is an American. Of course, you'll be quite familiar with too and familiar yes yeah. yes and so let me actually just sort of put this in let me phrase the question for an american who cares about Alberta's politics right now because the, <laughs> the premise of the question remains the same the entire time if you were to right now say i don't know about president joe biden and how he's handling all this everybody would say oh like george w bush would do any better you fucking republicans are oh, you republican mm-hmm. you know and you kind mm-hmm. of go i didn't say anything about george w bush i didn't say anything about republicans for that matter i'm questioning the role that the white house is playing in this situation. I'm questioning the policy of our political party at the time. Right. And that's what we're experiencing here. And I think what people are experiencing around the world is if you're not with us, you're with them or you're with them. You're not with us. And people are going, can we just like talk like normal people? Can we try to sort things out? Can we acknowledge that we don't necessarily fit into one of two boxes? You can probably tell by my tone of voice, which is, is oozing with sincerity that I'm actually very (laughs) troubled by this personally.
5: You should be. It's a weird thing. Uh, But it's also an essential part of our shared humanity, this this propensity toward tribalism. Um, I uh, did a show like four years ago about this uh, on the podcast with a lot of different researchers before that word had sort of entered the public discourse and it's still not a word that not every scientist or commentator wants to use there are all sorts of different ways to look at it i get it but if we just agree to use the word tribalism for now we can talk about it in those terms um it's i think there's a weird thing in western societies uh, especially in the united states and canada this this feeling of individualism that is more that is stronger than it is in other cultures the with that comes this sense that everything i think feel and do is the result of my own ruminations, like you're like you're some wizard that went down into a cellar and, and read a bunch of scrolls and then like really went, mm-hmm, yes, this is what I think about topic A. And then you enter into debates with people and you're like, yes, my, my, all of my conclusions are my own from a lot of uh, studied research into the matter. And uh, nothing in social psychology suggests that's true. We get most of our opinions and most of our attitudes from the people around us through signaling through elites and that sort of thing. But it doesn't feel good to say so. It doesn't feel that way because it goes against our other cultural value, which is I'm a a thinking individual who is influenced by the people around me. But, you know, the research is very clear that if you move to another location, it only takes a few months before a lot of your attitudes start to shift. A lot of your values start to get rearranged. And some of your beliefs will eventually change too. Um, The four tenets of tribalism are this in in psychology. Human beings are ultra social animals, which means we survive and thrive or don't based off of group interactions. That's why we have emotions like shame and embarrassment and so on. Uh, and our number one fear, our number one motivation usually is to avoid ostracism. And that will counteract pretty much anything else. We will we will pursue belonging goals over accuracy goals to the extent that if something becomes politicized and becomes a, a badge of loyalty or a symbol of shame, we'd rather die uh, than be shamed. And that's we see this with vaccine hesitancy people on their deathbeds will will still deny the idea because they are are signaling their loyalty to the group by not getting the vaccine the uh brooke harrington the sociologist told me the equals mc square of social science is uh social death the threat of social death is greater than the threat of physical death in the human brain and when we are faced with that choice we will always choose social uh, choose physical death over social death um the other tenets are identity is is that which identifies you as, as the who you are as the group that you're in. Um, individual identity and group identity are almost uh, not worth dividing into two different things because they're so intertwined. But identity is that which identifies you as being in the group that you're in. Um, the third tenet is that uh, if uh, if an issue if you are if us versus them becomes salient, you will favor. Uh, us over them to even to the point where you will allow yourself to be harmed if it means that the other group gets harmed more yeah and uh the final tenet is um anything can become politicized like anything like uh like wearing glasses could become politicized if if, if some weirdness took place in our, in our what about our wearing diary, a mask exactly anything anything can become politicized but but the, the other side of that is many of the things we think are not politicized are. And many of the things we think because of that, many of the debates that are taking place over things that seem like are political issues, the issue is irrelevant. What's really relevant is how much does this symbolize that I'm a good member of my group versus not being a member of them. And with these four things in play, which all of this stuff is catalyzed, exacerbated by the uh, overwhelming desire to com- always signal your loyalty or avoid ostracism in these new information environments—that means a lot of our political debates aren't actually about politics at all, and we aren't even debating anything. Like we're not actually even having the conversation we're pretending to have. It's one gigantic performance on two sides, based off based off some, some primate motivations, and having arguments at the level of conclusions on these matters feels a lot like debate but what's really happening is is something very base and it, as long as we keep building information environments context for argumentation and debate where that's what's uh, rewarded where that's what is these the social cost that's that's dangling over you more than anything else Uh, we will keep having intractable debates within those spaces. Hmm.
4: Uh,
0: Jill's watching us on YouTube. She says people first need to differentiate between opinion and fact. She says, I have a friend who does great. Yeah. She says, I, I I don't real, she says, I have a friend who doesn't realize that her opinion that masks don't work isn't fact. She says, I hate it when folks shoot
5: the shit about science. I want to talk about this. This is very important. Uh, I will, I challenge everyone listening and I, and everyone in you as well, like give me a definition of the word opinion. Like, it's like, I know this is a strange thing to ask, but in social science, like, like I remember re- researching the book and I would ask, uh, I asked one researcher, he, he'd been researching belief for 45 years. And I asked him, hey, could you just, you know, for the sake of writing this book, what's like a simple, like like, pretend I'm five years old definition of a belief? And he just sat back in his chair and went, ooh, that is a hard one. And, you know, he'd been studying this for 45 years. Yeah, These are very tricky questions, but tri- tricky definitions. Then the, I would urge anyone who's thinking about changing someone's mind or is frustrated about a debate in this way or, or argument or a conversation um, to remember that these mental constructs do have sort of solid ideas behind them that don't map on to each other and don't cross pollinate in certain ways. So let's, for instance, I ask you, like, do you think Joe Biden's a good president? And you say, um, I think he's great. And if you labeled that as a belief, uh, you'd be t- completely incorrect. That's an attitude. Uh, my feeling about chocolate cake and medical waste and uh, nuclear bombs, uh, those are attitudes. And my beliefs about what is and is not factually correct that may inform those attitudes or that may be influenced by those attitudes are separate mental constructs from the attitude itself. And if you're attempting to change someone's mind uh, using facts, using links on the internet in an attempt to correct their fact-based claims when in fact you're actually attempting to persuade them as regards to their attitude, using the word opinion is only going to muddy the situation between you and this other person because opinion could mean just about anything. We want to make sure we're being very clear that Either we're addressing a fact-based claim, or we're addressing an attitude, which is a valenced emotional evaluation of something, or we're talking about a value, which would be where in the hierarchy of things that we care about and where money goes to be placed. That and a conversation about one is not the same as a conversation about the other, and that's the source I find of a lot of people's frustrations.
0: Tracy says yes. She says, and this is <laughs> this is why we'll never get anti-vaxxers to change their minds at this point. Oh, it's I not- totally disagree. Okay, well, well, because I have still circled on my page the word optimism, so don't worry. We'll go there. Um, I just really want to drive everybody down into the ditch and get everybody totally demoralized. (laughs) Before you lift us back up, David, we're talking Uh, to David McRaney. But Tracy says it's not money, it's not job loss. Uh, anti vaxxers will never choose to admit they were wrong. They cannot admit it. Hawes. And, Haas, I know this to be true because I've mentioned that Haas has followed me over to this community from my previous radio audience. And I know this to be true about Haas. Says, I like to force myself to listen to differing perspectives. It's a difficult but necessary exercise. And then you got a fan, by the way, at least one. have got lots of fans of your podcast. I'm sure David McRaney's podcast, You Are Not So Smart ytrium says david did some amazing episodes on masking and anti-vaxxers throughout the pandemic so real talkers make sure you check those out but but what is the let's wrap with this david what is the reason for your optimism and what are you optimistic
5: about i'm optimistic that the, the thing i'm most optimistic about is the whole reason we argue is because we can change our minds and there is no such thing as an unreachable person there's no such thing as a person who can't uh, update their priors and change their beliefs, attitudes, or values on literally anything. There is no one who's unreachable. I truly believe this after working on this book for five plus years. Um, when people get frustrated at an argument and they can't seem to get the other person to see things their way, uh, that frustration should be directed at yourself. It's like, uh, saying, um, it's like thinking the moon is unreachable because you keep trying to get there with a ladder. Like the other person's unreachable because you're using poor techniques the person's unreachable because you have absolutely no cognitive empathy for where they're coming from and no curiosity about why they reached the position that they're at. You have absolutely no desire to understand their motivations or the anxieties that brought them to where they're going. Um, the trucker convoys, like that, whatever they're telling you may not even be the thing that is driving them. Like in the conversations you have with that person, try to solve a mystery together, which is how come I feel this way so strongly that it that I engage in this behavior, right? Uh, An anti-vaxxer, no matter what facts we throw at each other, that's most likely not the the motivation that brought them to the decision or to the attitude that they have. And it's important that we have that kind of conversation. If we do, I've seen over and over again that no one is unreachable in this way. And the fact that we evolved the ability to argue and debate is a testament to the fact that there's value in it if we can create contexts in which we can do so in a way that brings us the results that we've depended on for thousands of years to create the very culture we're in right now. The real problem currently is the context in which we engage and the sort of frustrations that more than anything else, just say, well, this just proves that I'm right and you're wrong. And instead of there being some sort of curiosity as to, well, how did we reach that disagreement in the first place? So in the book uh, I have all these different techniques that people can use to, to have better conversations. But the the end result of all of this is that I've seen that we're just living through a very new time, a very strange information environment that uh, the old ways of doing things, uh, it's not that they don't work, it's, it's that, that they don't work in the way we've created these very strange shopping malls for ideas that uh, aren't a great way to debate things. But it will change. We will catch up. We will figure it out. Weird stuff will happen and we'll go through a lot more weird things. But as we break things, we will fix them and they'll be better each time. And I do believe could be 50 years, could be seventy-five years, but on the other side of it, uh, it'll be like every other Marshall McLuhan moment. We'll come out the other side, better arguers, debaters, in democracy, and hmm. civilization itself will be stronger for it. I totally believe that.
0: You know, he's from Edmonton, hey eh? Marshall McLuhan. He's from our hometown
5: here, so yeah, we're pretty I, I, th- proud th- I of thought him. I would, I thought I would uh, ingratiate myself.
0: I, I, I like that you just you fit him <laughs> in there a couple of times. I like that. Uh, so you know, it, it, I'm so grateful for this. We have a, and, and I feel like this show is is uh, this is sort of where we feel like it's important that we can play a role in having real talk that 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 doesn't establish zones of black and white that can live in areas of gray that can ask questions that make us uncomfortable that sometimes infuriate people you know there'll be guests on this show with whom people will vociferously disagree and I will continue to insist that I think that those are important conversations to have. You know, we hosted a, a round table on conspiracy theories back on February mm-hmm. 25th. People can check out that episode, including a panelist whose brother has gone full blown fully off the deep end. I mean, she was talking about, I mean, she was very candid about talking about the impact that it's had on her relationship with him, et cetera. And you know that people are going to say, whether it's it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the holiday is, and people are going to be around family. Maybe it's going to be an anniversary or a birthday celebration, sitting around the campfire this summer. There's going to be that uncle or aunt or cousin that they're going to have a really difficult time with because they care mm-hmm. about them and they love them and maybe even they have admired them and now they're finding that to be a pretty difficult exercise based on how that person feels. You know, maybe drunk Uncle Larry's going to show up with you know an upside down Canadian flag off the back of his <laughs> F-150 and you know a, a sign that says "fuck Trudeau" and and he's going to be talking about the UN and Sharia law and Bill 21 and all these types of things. You know, tinfoil hat firmly in place, metaphorically or otherwise, and you're not going to blame this person for saying, I don't even know if I want to engage anymore. He's not going to change his mind. He's sure as hell not going to change my mind. And as a matter of fact, I'm looking at maybe just kind of pressing pause or even hitting flush on that relationship. And I think it's important to have that optimism because I don't know that on a day-to-day basis right now, people smack dab in the middle of their reality if they feel it.
5: I understand. I understand. But when you, when you meet with that, with that uncle, like, really avoid trying to have a debate about the conclusions and the facts of the matter and attempt to try to go backwards through their chain of processing and say, and figure out how did they arrive at those conclusions? What is the nature of your differing trusts and different information environments? There's a, if you want to, I'll give you a, 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 I'll give something away. I think this is valuable to the audience and um, we're doing these conversation labs pretty regularly. Now I've got another one coming up on March 14th. Uh, links to it and everything are on my website. So if you can come to a free workshop where we're helping teach people these techniques, Um, here's the very simple stepwise way of going through this. Number one, you definitely want to establish rapport. I'm looking at my notes over here. Uh, You definitely want to establish rapport. Uh, That means if you have a poor relationship with this person already because of past arguments, you got to get back to some level of uh, being able just to hang out with the person. That means having neutral interactions of some kind or something, face some sort of common problem together so that you can get back on a, on a, Even keel. You want to be able to at least hang out, have a beer, eat some, uh, you know, uh, cornbread in my neck of the woods with them. Then um, when you actually talk about the thing, if we're talking about a fact based claim, uh, you want to ask for the claim, confirm the claim, uh, uh, repeating it back in your own words and ask if you've done a good job. Uh, Then ask them uh, for some sort of uh, clarity of their definitions, whatever they're talking about, ask them to define those things, then use their definitions moving forward. Then ask for a numerical um, level of uh, number of confidence in the claim, like on a scale of one to 10 or zero to 100, how strongly do you believe this? And uh, then ask them what reasons they have to hold that level of confidence. And then what you wanna do is ask them what method they've used to judge the quality of those reasons. And that's where you wanna stick for the rest of the conversation. You wanna really talk about how they're judging the the information that's coming into their world and stay there and don't debate. We're not gonna try to say I'm right and you're wrong. We're going to try to do something that um, I opened the book with, the, with the, the dress to demonstrate why this is important. Do you remember the dress? The black the, or the, blue, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Imagine if that we've formed two political parties where one was uh, based off, of, I saw the dress as this color and the other said, I saw it as the other. Uh, how would we ever like uh, do anything if the, if the goal of every debate was to get the other person to see things our way Im fucking possible, that's not going to happen. What you have to do, Instead, is have a conversation where you get at, how come we do see this differently? Because if I, uh, and the reason we see the dress differently is a lot of neuroscience behind it. I've done a bunch of shows. Uh, The short version of it is uh, the more time you spend in sunlight, the more you will disambiguate that ambiguous image one way, the less time, the more you will disambiguate in the other. And... This, and your life choices probably led to how much sunlight you you get on a daily basis, which led to the way you interpret this image. But you feel like the way I see this is just the way everybody must see it. That I can't imagine that somebody could see it differently than me. And if you got into a debate with someone about the dress and your goal was to say, I'm right, you're wrong. And their goal is to say, I'm right and you're wrong. How can this, there's nothing fruitful will come from this. What will, The only way to get to something worthwhile, the only way to get to the truth is if we turn this into hey let's try to solve a mystery together about why we disagree what do you think is going on there and that will get you a level higher than that dead end debate where you're where you might actually discover oh we see this differently because of all this deeper all these deeper things that are taking place in our um, you know the the mental alchemy of our of our lives this can be applied to any issue in politics that people disagree upon uh, and i think that, that you're more likely to arrive at the truth and more likely to arrive at the ability to um, have somebody in your life who you dis, who you disagree with, but you still trust and you can earn, you can um, benefit from the disagreement. You can benefit from the fact that when we see something unusual and ambiguous, this person disambiguates it this way. I disambiguate it this way. And together that gives us a more three-dimensional worldview of what's going on without trying to commit only to mine or the other person's. That's a much more like fruitful way of disagreeing on the internet or elsewhere and especially at Thanksgiving. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah uh, I've got this I mean these this is the ultimate compliment for you David uh, Kathy says I'm gonna have to listen to this again when I can fully focus it's a fascinating conversation Kimberly says I'm gonna have to play this interview over slowly she says David's smart <laughs> she goes I'm loving this uh, David McGrady is the creator and host of you are not so smart a podcast we want you to subscribe to right now and his book is coming out in the first day of summer on June 21st how minds change the surprising science of belief opinion and and persuasion my man thanks for this we appreciate it
5: hey thank you so much it's been fantastic yeah Love you it. bet I, I, that, that, that conversation
0: fills my bucket to, to believe that we can have these you know I mean and you know on who is it right now I saw a comment someone said please don't debate at family gatherings <laughs> I feel that way too it feels like the worst place you know sitting around the, the you know whatever it is the birthday table sitting at the family reunion can we not talk politics can we not, I mean, sometimes there's going to be an unavoidable, I was talking to somebody the other day that does business with a very prominent person in the city. This person is, is in charge of a major business that employs dozens, if not hundreds of people. And they go that this person, this business leader has been refusing to wear a mask in work meetings in a business that works with vulnerable people, the entirety of this entire thing. And they've had a hard time respecting this person and their business leadership because of the position they've taken here, but they don't speak out because they don't want to get into it. And that's not the nature of their business relationship. It's tough. And I sometimes wonder, are we just going to be in camps now? we we'll at people piling on each other on social media. If you're not with us, you're with them. Or if you didn't speak loudly on this, then you must support this. People going, can I just... Like wrap my mind around things and observe what's going on and get back to the days where I don't know am i am i remembering through rose-colored glasses am i inaccurately recalling what it used to be like where we could sit around and talk about things were the stakes lower I don't think they were I don't know I mean do, do, does, does this resonate with you john and you're listening to this guy talk about how he's optimistic and he believes we can get back to a point where we can and he and he has this sincere sort of I love that his his sincerity comes through in a way that the titles of his works may not <laughs> you are an, not so smart
4: it's an incredible interview and you're right i have to go back even there was a lot of information there but i think you know the main point is like like think of your opinions when you were like 18 yeah and it's so vastly different 10 15 20 years later so i just whenever i'm in a conversation now i try to do that i try to pivot get into that person's shoes and really try to think why do they have this opinion And why, why why do I not? Why do I see the blue dress? But that takes a sincere effort on your part,
0: right? Like, it's way easier to just go, fuck that guy.
4: Exactly. And people are so entrenched these days. They're exactly like that. Screw it. You're wrong.
0: Check in with Sarah Hoyles in just a second here. Of course, these conversations don't happen with the sort without the support of, of amazing partners like our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Baseline Road in Sherwood Park. Make sure you give them a follow on Instagram. Who doesn't want to follow Dairy Queen on Instagram? Uh, check this post from our friends at Baseline in Sherwood Park. You know that's one of the busiest Dairy Queens in Canada. They're excited about these new signature stack burgers. They've got all kinds of different ones. I mean, I personally recommend the Loaded Steakhouse stacker. You can make it a single, a double, or even a triple with the onion rings and the bacon. And, oh, man, paired with a blizzard. We've got Hoyles on the record. Uh, we had Sam on the record. How about you? Do you have a – you, no, you're gone vegan. I can't ask you about blizzards. John, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, it's gonna take me a while to realize I can't be asking you about dairy all the time.
4: Are you missing Sam? Because he was a burger blizzard. Well of course robber.
0: everybody misses Sam, but we love you too. It's not a, it's not an either or. Uh but I just I was gonna is there I'm gonna have to ask, is there like a dairy there's dairy free dilly bars. Have you tried them?
4: There is, and They're they are at Dairy Queen. So They're I'll phenomenal. hit it with you and we'll have some fun. I'm
0: gonna find out about the Dairy Queen Dairy Queen Dairy Free Blizzard. Maybe that's up next for you, so then we can start talking about whether or not you want to get in on the score or the well, then we need vegan score. Oh jeez, John. I'm sorry. This I was appreciate your concern. To, this was not supposed to turn into me washing through your dietary. I was just was gonna ask your favorite burger back in the day. Did you have a favorite Blizzard? Back in the I day, I did Oreo. Yeah, uh, I was always an Oreo guy. Hoyle's actually converted. This fits into what we talked about with David McRaney. Sarah Hoyle's changed my mind on Blizzards? Yes, <laughs> I was. I didn't even. I wouldn't even. Is she around? Can we bring her in right now? Uh, she, Sarah, this is a credit to you because I was I was completely close minded on Blizzards. I was of the, I was the problem. David McRaney would say, you are the problem. I was Oreo only. And then maybe somebody might say, well, you should add a pump of like, what was it? Like peppermint or some other spearmint or you can add like a flavor in with your Oreo. But as long as Oreo was the base and then you changed my mind to score using the power of persuasion.
2: I'm glad. I mean, I just talked about my love of the score and the texture. You did. And the sweet. You didn't judge me. I didn't. I just, I made space for you. (laughs) And I said what I enjoyed.
0: Yes, you did that. That was a hell of an interview right there. Uh, that, that guy, uh, you yeah. know, I, I liked the most important thing for me was, was when he said about halfway through, he goes, but I am optimistic. And I went, Oh, thank goodness. At least somebody is because I've <laughs> lately, I've been starting to lose faith in our ability, not our, I'm not talking about the people that are here with us right now. Listening to this. I suspect if you're a regular consumer of this show, that you do have, to a certain degree, the ability to consider other opinions and to respectfully dialogue with one another. But Hoyle's, I, I see evidence all around me that a lot of people just feels like they don't have that. Maybe that either they don't have that skill, or maybe they just don't have that interest in considering opinions different than theirs. People are just kind of clumped together these days, it seems.
2: Well, I think I mean that's what David McRaney said is that it's it's human nature. It's it's how we are literally wired. So, uh, not surprising. I think there's just more information and more ways to clump together. And I love the idea. Like we're figuring it out. We're, we're going to figure it out. It's it, this is new. We're, 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 yeah, we're navigating it together. And like a teenager awkwardly, like we don't know how to do this. So we're trying to figure out how I, uh, it's
0: like learning to kiss when you have braces, you know, and if both parties have braces,
2: Tell me
0: more, Ryan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I like this story, too. Yeah. You guys you guys never like did either of you have braces as teenagers? Sure
4: did. I mean, Fortunately like, or unfortunately not. I don't know.
0: Uh, but no, I did. Not. So, Hoyles, you did. Um, and now, obviously, I didn't kiss anybody until I got married, of course. Uh, but I, but I have, I have heard, but I have heard I'm as pure as the driven snow, but I have heard Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. for some people, you know, learning to kiss with braces on can be a difficult exercise. It's just part of the teenage awkwardness. I don't, I'm thinking of Beverly Cleary right now and Ramona, the brave, no, she was a Uh tween, not a teen, but still that awkwardness it's endearing. But, but in this metaphor, you're right. It was pretty interesting to hear David say though. When he said he's optimistic, we can get through this and we can change and we can return to sort of a more healthy state of dialogue or discourse. He also said, like, maybe in the next 75 years.
2: Yeah, we will be dead. uh, But hopefully other folks will enjoy that uh, once we've figured it out. I mean, I think what we heard in our conversation with conspiracy theories on February 25th was the idea that, you know, some people say, you know, have compassion. Some people are like, I have compassion fatigue. I can't handle feeling sorry or having an open mind or trying to bring these anti-vaxxers freedom convoy supporters along. Yeah. And I like, Oh, I so relate to that. But at the same time, I realized I liked David's point of like, look back at Sarah, look back at yourself. And what are you trying to do, Sarah, to try to change these minds? You need to look at other modes, of, of having this conversation and not just the end point being I'm right. You're wrong.
0: Yeah. I'm, I I can be a knee jerk person too. Trust me. Um, this is something I try on a daily basis. I have to remind myself to consider other points of view that, that mine is not always right. And that oftentimes that I might even, I mean, don't we'll have to cut this out of the, before we actually release the podcast, they will have to cut this part out. But I was just going to say that actually I can actually be wrong from time to time. Really? Yeah. No, I know, and I'm probably gonna. What I'll do is in about five minutes, I'll go. Yeah, let's just cut
4: that part out of the podcast. I'm gonna save an edit of that just for myself. You're gonna make my new ringtone. That's your new ringtone. I I was gonna say. I better
0: change the subject. (laughs) You know, Athabasca University knows that spring. Uh, Of course, it's that time of renewal. It's that time of fresh beginnings. I mean, let's be honest, whether we're talking about uh, spring training or maybe we're talking about spring cleaning or maybe we're taking a look at how we wrap our minds around what happens when we see those first tulips pop up. There's something that happens, right? It's if you've been thinking about going back to school. If you've been thinking about uh, maybe deepening your skill set or better preparing yourself for a job market that could be full of opportunities, new ones, exciting ones, Athabasca U could be a great fit for you. As Canada's online university, it offers the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle you can learn more about their programs and courses and the admissions process how it all works by visiting AthabascaU.ca. you can always link to them under the sponsors tab on our website as well our friends at kubi energy the minute you go to their website kubienergy.ca you'll see there's a button to click for a free appraisal if you want a free solar quote right now it's as simple as visiting kubienergy.ca Ca. Of course, there's no obligation, but they can give you an idea of what it might look like to get yourself going green. And we were talking about Instagram accounts for a lot of our partners. I encourage you to follow Kubi's. They've got these. I mean, Johnny, you on the, on the tech side, you can appreciate a good clean install, hey? Definitely. Oh, man, they've got these photos that you can't see any of the wires or the cables. Everything's lined up beautifully. Hide it all. I mean, it's art. These are Tesla-certified installers. That's what you get when you invest with the team at Kubi Energy. And of course, same deal with the team at Eden Landscaping. You want your vision executed with precise attention to detail. When you're investing in your outdoor space and bringing it to life, you want to be able to trust a team that is going to do it right the first time. That's going to respect the fact that this, your home, your living space, is your biggest investment and oftentimes your greatest joy. Whether that's edible garden boxes, excavation, stonework, hardscapes, water features, retaining walls, or anything else, trust Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. Before we take you out to Jasper, uh, this is a remarkable story, by the way. Uh, Tourism Jasper presenting my Jasper memories every Wednesday. You know that we have an email from Debbie. Her Jasper memory is a wild one. I can't wait to share it with you. Sarah Hoyle's keeping an eye on news as it develops. Of course, Sarah, we're keeping an eye on Ukraine. Uh, The Chernobyl plant disconnected from the power grid. Everybody's talking about that. I can see it in your posture Let me describe it for the people listening on the podcast. The minute I brought this up, you took a deep breath. What is it about this story that has everybody talking?
2: Yeah, it's been disconnected from the power grid. And as we've mentioned before, they are Russian commanders are in charge and staff that are the ones that actually know how to run this thing have to ask for permission to do anything. So making sure of safety I'm not sure is paramount. I mean, the idea that NATO says they can't get involved because this is, you know, dealing within Ukraine's borders. I I wonder about that because of like nuclear waste and nuclear issues. They don't care where borders are. It doesn't care. And it's going to affect the entire human race For millennia.
0: Yeah, I've been reading some really, and I know that we're working on this behind the scenes. I don't want to jinx some of the asks that we have out for interviews on the show, but we've been paying attention to some expert voices that are talking about what nuclear fallout could look like and the probability of Russia invoking that nuclear power and what it could mean. Um, I've been trying to figure out the the significance of the no-fly zone, right? Zelensky is saying he needs NATO to enforce this no-fly zone, and then the NATO member nations in particular are saying, listen, if we do that, this could lead to all-out, full-blown war." in europe i mean people are talking about world war ii style uh type scenarios uh this is obviously something where i think everybody feels a little a <laughs> little bit of tension uh to be quite honest i was walking the dog yesterday here we are in like central edmonton walking the dog and a number of ukrainian flags flying from houses i mean people around the world are showing their support here uh, closer to home and on, on a less serious side uh, sarah i mean i guess it's serious for the for the what are they the 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 Transport Canada uh, fine recipients? Um, this this is a, an interesting story with regards to accountability. Everybody was paying attention to this Sunwing party flight. Where did they go? It was a Cancun or something a while ago, and it was basically just a free for all on a Sunwing plane. And now some people are going to pay the piper. What's the deal here?
2: They were headed to Cancun. They boarded the day before New Year's Eve, and some of them were not vaccinated and by law they needed to be. So they have now been fined officially with a uh, maximum $5,000 each. There are Jeez. six passengers that have now received these penalties.
4: So they're okay. You
2: know, follow, follow the <laughs> rules, folks. Come on.
4: I think what bothered me the most was the vaping and jumping up and down on the plane. I'm not a good flyer. So like... <laughs> I would have been screaming at these people. I don't care. Like, I do care about the mask, but it was the vaping, the loud music, the jumping. Why do that... you care about the vaping? It's just everything. If I see smoke on a plane, it better be okay. for a real reason. You know what I mean? What so... a real reason?
1: What's <laughs> like, the... we're going to oh, okay, signal so an emergency. So... What, if there...
4: what if there is a fire while these people are vaping? Yeah. You know, like, okay. How would we know?
0: Yeah, I just thought maybe you were one <laughs> of the, the folks that are just annoyed by people that vape, like the big cloud oh, no. of like blueberry oh, no. blueberry vape or something like that. I don't know I, if it was cannabis vape to or tobacco vape <laughs> or what it was. But yeah, no, this is a uh, and and Hoyles. It's like this is these these people, these travelers. Uh, this is kind of a continuation on of the consequences, right? Like weren't a lot of them, if I remember correctly, a bunch of them were stranded down there because the airline was like, "We're not bringing you back." Like you're like, this is, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny and not funny at the same time, but, but I think for a lot of these people, um, if you've been to that through that stage in life, I don't know how old they are, but I'm sort of early twenties. And let me say, hypothetically, you buy a flight down to Mexico with all of your coworkers at Earl's restaurant, hypothetically speaking. (laughs) And, um, hypothetically you take a limo to the airport in which you're crushing Corona's. Maybe you're all wearing matching t-shirts, hypothetically, Perhaps, as, uh, though it, it portrays you as quite an annoying traveler, perhaps you're all wearing your cowboy hats into the airport. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, the porter at the airport says to you, uh, heads up, they may not let you board the flight if you continue to behave like this. Hypothetically, you make your way to the departure gate, et cetera, et cetera. You're not really thinking of big picture consequences, including $5,000 fines. And the next thing you know, real life smacks you in the face. That's what this sounds like.
2: I mean, I think it's all about everyone's, you know, people that are saying, you know, it's personal responsibility, people that have the right to make a choice. Well, they are making choices. Yeah. Choices come consequences. So I'm kind of like boo fucking who guys like and yeah, they weren't allowed back into the country because they weren't vaccinated. So these are choices. You make choices. You had a privilege of going traveling. And now some of those choices that you made whilst traveling have consequences
0: there you go some random guy says
2: i sound like a school mom. you do like you do do no you do a
0: little bit um but at the same time i'm realizing every single day things that i say make me sound like i was talking to wyatt the other day did i tell you this already we're driving back from calgary he's visiting grandma and grandpa and his ipad died and he was he was like can we put my ipad died and whatever and i said let me tell you when i was a boy i said we had to look out the window and use our imagination and he went no you didn't I said, Oh, I sure did. And I started to talk to him about, you know, like I remember I spy with my I spy little guy. He, and he loves ice. It, it's just a matter of distraction. All of a sudden yeah. you get him on a game. He's like the most delightful kid. I'm not mocking him, but but uh it was like and that was and how about this for an Alberta road trip game? I remember traveling with my my grandparents, may they rest in peace, the amazing Stan and Norma Jesperson, and we'd be traveling with them, oftentimes to the family farm. We'd travel from Calgary to Stony Plain and they would give me twenty-five cents every time. That i saw a pump jack every time that i saw a pump jack in action right pushing you know the pushing that industry pushing alberta's energy industry i'd get 25 cents every time i saw a pump jack so that was pretty exciting um on a side note this gives me is sort of tease up our friday round table talking about the price of fuel etc real quick oils because uh, we got to get out to jasper here but but this uh american ban on importing russian oil um it's going to have some implications for Alberta. If I understand correctly, people are saying it's going to be good for Alberta's economy, but it's going to be tough for consumers, Americans and other consumers around the world, including at the pumps. That's where people are feeling the most pain right now.
2: You nailed it. Yeah. Russia. I mean, the States, it's a portion of their oil. It's not a huge portion. 10%, though. right? So, I think I saw. Right. So it, it's, it, they will feel it, but it's not going to be something that's, it's not like Europe and Europe is something that is, is, Trying to figure out how to, you know, pull back from how much oil they use from Russia, and that's a bigger struggle. But in all of this conversation, who wins out? Oil producers in North America, and that being primarily Alberta. So yeah, there's you know people are tooting horns, stomping their feet, clapping their hands, saying, "Yeah, Yeah. we got oil."
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all of this. I think almost everything when we talk about the dynamic of preventable politics right now, including the budget that just dropped from the United Conservatives, uh, Jason Kenney lifting the gas tax, 13 cents a liter on April 1st. Not now. It's March 9th the implications for the provincial coffers for for the money that the province takes from that will be significant. He's not lifting that gas tax now. He's lifting it a week before his leadership review. He's lifting it on April 1st. Everything needs to be seen in the context of that. A balanced budget. Well, a balanced budget is going to be big for the premier, right? To be able to say there's going to be a lot of people. I know this because I hear it from friends of mine. They don't care about all the other stuff. One of my friends said, "I don't care if he went to San Francisco to try to keep gay spouses from seeing people in hospice care 30 years ago." He goes, "I care if the budget's balanced. If Jason Kenney can budget the balance, uh, balance the budget, uh, then then maybe that'll be key to his survival uh, as leader of the United Conservatives heading into the next provincial election next year." So, so we shall see. Listen, can we stop talking politics for a second and just maybe head out to Jasper? Hey, does that sound pretty good? Doesn't matter which way you vote or what you believe on matters that can be contentious doesn't matter how you're feeling about the pandemic or i mean maybe tourism jasper right now is going to go can you just maybe stop talking about all of the divisive and high profile and hot button news stories and that's kind of the point that's kind of the point of being able to take this moment to just go let's go to jasper national park it's a feature we call my jasper memories and we present it every Wednesday in partnership with Tourism Jasper. And today we want to tell you, you know, when I threw my notes right there, John, and said, can we stop talking about this all and through my notes? It's kind of funny because I need my notes now to talk to about get my Jasper memories. No, good news <laughs> is I, I also have them digitally because this show is so very well produced that I have access to my digital notes, too. But, you know, there's always cool stuff coming up in Jasper. And so let, let's take a look at this. You know, we this week want to focus on Jasper's very first mural festival. That's right, we're getting artsy this week. In under two months, Jasper's going to be kicking off its very first mural festival called Uplift. It's happening from April 23rd through May 8th, bringing in street artists from across the country to add color and some unique style to many of Jasper's walls, alleyways, buildings. This is going to be amazing. Jasper's always had a really strong arts and culture scene. You know that. And soon you'll be able to see it everywhere you walk. And so while you're out for the festival, again, April 23rd to May 8th, why not try some of other, uh, you know, some of the other iconic springtime activities in Jasper? What about a rafting trip down a heritage river when the spring melt will put it at its most rushy? Yeah, You're looking for action? You'll find it there. What about all the baby wildlife that are starting to make their way in the world? This is a perfect time of year to have that special sighting. Why not get to the top of a mountain with the Jasper Sky Tram? You won't even break a sweat. I mean, unless you're a person that has problems sweating. I mean, for those of you, I feel your pain, but. And then you can hit the open road with a motorcycle tour down the Icefields Parkway. You can find out more about all of this on our website. You just go to jasper.travelslash real talk. And not only will you be able to check out all the past features of My Jasper Memories, but you can find more information. On this mural festival. I just love it. Now, we ask you to share your Jasper memories with us using the hashtag MyJasper and the hashtag RealTalkRJ. You never know when you might see them featured here on the show. Debbie sent us an email because this is a longer story. This is wild. She says, Back in September of 2019, my husband and I were out on an easy hike. Beautiful day. Our last hike of our getaway out there. Chose to hike Utopia, which starts at the site of the old Miette Pool. It's a back and forth hike. We wanted to do maybe two, 3K at most. Says, well, as often happens, went longer than anticipated, and about 5K in, I one misstep, and the next thing I knew, says Debbie, I was sliding face-first off the trail down the side of the mountain. She says, out of the corner of my eye, I could see my left foot as it was sliding, a horrible angle, pointing the wrong way. What a nightmare. She says, we were unprepared. No jackets, no food, no survival gear. She says, we did have our bear spray. We had a bottle of water, and we were out of cell phone range. And she says, and we had started our hike later in the day. She says, it was a bad move on our part. There was weather coming in. She says, so my husband's doing his best to try to make me comfortable, try to keep me warm. And we debated about him going back to get help. But of course, I was terrified. I kept saying, please don't leave me. And after about 45 minutes of us debating, we heard voices and three ladies coming up from the bottom of Utopia. All of them oddly named Marie. She says, thank God for the three Marie's. It's like the three sisters. She says, the three Maries says they lent us jackets, water, snacks. They were prepared. Marie number one took off running and ran all the way to the current pool to get us help. And then lifeguards appeared on a bike and then assessed the situation. Next thing you know, they're radioing for a helicopter. And and then park staff are there in the chopper. And it was a busy day, but I've never experienced such relief and such pure gratitude. My rescuers, professional, capable, even funny I was put into a sling and one of the guys came with me and I was flown up from the trail over the mountains to a stream bed where they were able to put me down and then loaded into the chopper there, the most awe-inspiring ride back to the old corrals where I was loaded into an ambulance and the next part of my journey began. Says Debbie, I will never forget the absolute kindness and selflessness of complete strangers that we ran into that day. Everybody pitched in, got us out of a nightmare scenario. The three Marie's were our saving grace They didn't have to share with us to help us, but they did. Marie number one didn't have to run 5K uphill, but she did. The crew that came to help us didn't have to be so compassionate. Certainly didn't have to be funny, but they were. She says the three Marie's, Sean, Garth, and Darren, will forever hold a special place in my heart. My memories of Jasper are not just limited to the beautiful places and scenery, but the beautiful people too. And I thank them all. That from Debbie. What a story, Debbie. We're so grateful that you're okay. Again, when you visit Jasper, you let him know you're out there in part because you've been hearing about it on Real Talk during My Jasper Memories. Coming up on the show tomorrow, of course, we'll pick up on the news of the day as it develops. It's a unique time, isn't it? But at the same time, kind of par for the course. We know that there's a lot going on, and you're going to be looking to this show to help you stay on top of it all. That includes not just Ukraine. It includes not just goings-on politically in your part of the world, your municipality or your province, but also the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. We're going to talk to Tasha Carradin, a well-known radio host who's been debating whether or not she was going to seek the leadership of the party. She said she's not, and she's endorsing Jean Charest. We'll ask her why in an exclusive one-on-one. That's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Real Talk. We'll talk to you then.
1: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, John Hicks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harman Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group, Incorporated. all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.